Ooh, that looks tasty. Support for Boards and Brews comes from Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play smarter. Sovereignty's July theme is Be the Better Builder. The featured games are going to be Tiny Towns, Build a Better Town, Planet Unknown, Build a Better Planet, and Sushi Go Party, Build a Better Sushi Platter. Welcome, folks. Today, the Hungry Gamer is back with another episode of Boards and Brews, and today I am joined by Dustin Stats, Board Gaming and Education, and now a brand new store that he's going to tell us all about. And before we jump in and get started, I got to ask you the rapid fire questions that everybody gets the first time through. That is, who the crap are you? What is your shtick? And how and why did you get started making board game content and then opening a store? Awesome. Well, William, thank you so much for having me on The Hungry Gamer. You were one of the first reviewers I reached out to when I created my uh, gamification toolkit a while back for the classroom. Um, that is very much on the back burner at this point, but it's still out there if anybody wants the resources. Um, but I am Dustin from BGE's Tabletop. BGE stands for Board Game with Education. That is the name of our brick and mortar store too. So BGE's Tabletop. We didn't want to be Board Gaming with Education's Tabletop because we are kind of a hobby store as well. We're not just educational focused, but it helps to show our brand and where we came from. And we started as a podcast called Board Gaming with English, and that turned into Board Gaming with Education. So originally we created content for English language learners, and they could listen to an episode. They can learn the rules of the game, learn the grammar required to play the game, and the vocabulary required to play the game, and then they could go play that game in English. Um, if you listen to some of our first couple uh, seasons, it's really goofy. It's you listen to any like language learning book it's very like skit ish we have there's a skit with myself and the, my buddy and it's pretty pretty entertaining we talk really slow so it's not super exciting for native english speakers um but we learned that a lot of teachers outside of english language teachers were listening to our show so we rebranded as board game with education and that turned into an events-based business in taiwan it was pretty small as far as businesses go, but we were running events like creating board, board game language exchanges where people would come in and play um, a board game and they would practice Chinese or they would practice English or I guess Mandarin. So, or we occasionally had people practice Spanish, but that was far and few in between, especially being in Taiwan. Um, and then we tried to do the same thing when we came back to LA. We wanted to do events-based business where we had uh, week-long programs for students um, based on like, like a STEM board game camp or board game design camp. Um, but we found, or I guess the pandemic happened. Um, and so we turned into an e-commerce model and we sold tabletop games online. Um, our first two publishers that we carried were Looney Labs and Genius Games because we were very much focused on educational games at that point. And then we grew. I learned that only niching down into education is not super sustainable. Um, I think it's possible. There are a lot of organizations and companies out there that do do that stuff, but it's not a traditional retail model. They're more going into schools and offering services. Um, and that's something we're, we're starting to do now, but offering like programs and events in our store. Um, and so I think that's kind of our stick where we, we, we separate ourselves. We are a hobby game store, but we're very much family focused. Um, very much beginner friendly, I think as well. You mentioned, or you asked if we do Pokemon or magic, we do do magic, but we're trying to host stuff that's as beginner friendly as possible here. Uh, and uh, uh, just being boards and brews, uh, the next question, and I already know your answer because we were talking before we started about the 50 mile races and stuff you do. So I know you don't put anything remotely unhealthy into <laughs> your <not> body, <laughs> but what is your beverage that you're enjoying today? Right now, I just have some coffee and in light of our game topic, I actually have the Chip Theory Games coffee. Oh, nice. The uh, Oban Dark Roast is what I'm drinking today. Nice. I, I'm, I didn't know they did coffee. I'm just drinking some water and I do put a lot of bad things in my body. Well, not bad, bad, but a lot of sweets. I'm a, Only heroin, I'm a bad right? sweet dude. 
everybody we were talking before we started uh dustin runs 50 mile races just one 50 mile just race one <laughs> okay so don't, don't respect him at all he's only done one 50 mile race it's i don't like to drive 50 miles <laughs> that's true I, yeah yeah 50 mile race i did run a marathon on the great wall of china too which was a really really cool race that now that is cool wow that's that's the one i i wanted to see pictures of that but right now but that's, that's <laughs> yeah. really cool yeah um but so anyway so but we are here we're going to talk about the topic today we're, we're going to talk about the idea of board games in education what does that mean how do you do it and maybe you know some of the things that we've perhaps used in the past that have been successful or maybe not successful and so uh since you are far more the expert than i am uh, i'll let you start with just this idea of what, what does it mean to use board games in education? Because I know a lot of people, when I say, oh, you sometimes use board games, like, oh, because you're bored, and you don't want to do anything that day. Well, well sometimes, yes, <laughs> but not always. So what does it mean to bring board games into the education space? Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so many different angles you can look at it for. I mean, one thing that we're doing that's really important, and a lot of people have this view, is that all games are educational, right? You're developing all sorts of soft skills through games. Um, one thing that you did, which was really cool. And on our podcast, our former podcast board game with education, you talked about using, um, thousand year, 10,000 year old vampire, thousand year old vampire, thousand year old vampire. And that's an example of taking a pre-existing game and then pulling learning content out of that. And you can share a little bit about that, but then the other way is to, um, design a game from scratch to target specific learning outcomes. Um, and something I've done for that is created like a negotiation game for my business English class. Um, so those are like three, I think three main angles you can kind of look at when you talk about board gaming with education. Yeah, and and the, the purpose behind, at least for when I did it, was the idea of for my students, I teach you younger students, and of taking what is potentially a boring topic for them, grammar is usually what I was dealing with, and then finding a way to make it fun and this is going to sound terrible but trick them into learning something because they want to play the game mm. and then over time they, they realize they've been learning these things um and that's kind of how, how i started using it also and i talked with somebody else the other day but um i was also getting bored with my curriculum because we had uh, for five years in a row i was teaching the exact same thing every year and i was just i have to teach it i can't not suddenly teach grammar and composition mm but to try to find something that's a little, little, little more, more fresh is kind of why I, I went into doing it. So I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about the negotiation thing that you use with your, uh, your course that you're talking about, because that sounds far more in depth than my sixth grade English class that I was using. Cause now mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to get kids to buy into, Oh, we're going to play a game. Sometimes adults don't want to buy into that. So did, right. how does that work? What did you do? And was it successful? Yeah, um, I think it's pretty successful. It's I taught at a university for three years. I used that game twice, so two separate semesters. Um, so what I did is uh, students created uh, student groups, so they would uh, get themselves into groups, and then they had to start with a certain number of resources. I don't remember exact resources, but it had something to do with like a manager, um, and then like iPhones, chairs, tables, and money. So just like some random stuff. Um, and they had a secret goal that they had to complete. So if you started with a hundred iPhones, maybe your goal by the end of it would be to sell those iPhones for X amount of dollars and then have hire on another manager. Um, and how they would do that is they would go around talking to different groups and try to negotiate a deal. Um, so what I asked them to do is when they would negotiate in groups, they would obviously use English as much as possible. Um, I was not like extremely strict, but if ever I heard them talking in um, Mandarin, I would make sure, hey, make sure you're talking to English. But sometimes they would use Mandarin. But what I when they did decide on their deals, they would have to come up to the front of the class and that's where they were supposed to use English strictly. And that was offering their deal in front of the class. So- And this was a course where the part of it is learning English. It wasn't right. just you being a tyrant. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, so 
they, they might talk. I give them some time to talk among groups. And then at the end, we, we, I bring up some groups. I bring each group up individually in front of the class and they have to make their offer to the other group using different vocabulary and grammar structures we were practicing and or practicing in their groups. And then the other group could counter offer, accept or decline. Um, and then at the end of it, we would, um, they would create their, they would determine which resources they had that round. So they'd like subtract some things or add some things. And then I'd give them another round. And then at the end, if they completed some of their secret objectives, they scored bonus points. And then certain resources were worth a certain amount of points too. And uh, did, did, did you find that their grasp of English improved quicker when you were using those, those games and, and things like that? Yeah, I guess that's one thing that was hard to nail down because I don't think I, I stayed at the university long enough. That was probably going to be my fourth year research project. I did do some research on that, but it was a preliminary research where I created a like a Google Doc quiz for based on the grammar that we were doing. This is for when I used Werewolf. So this is a different game. We took Werewolf and that's where I took a game and pulled out the learning outcomes and looked at the grammar structures we were we were reviewing at the time that you could find in a Werewolf, which is like, I believe blah, blah, blah is a werewolf because. Um, and so I created a quiz for those students and I set up the lectures a couple of different ways. It's been a while since I've done this. So I'm trying to remember, but um, they would take the quiz before then I would give a lecture, they would take a quiz after the lecture, and then we would play the game, and then they would take a quiz after the game. Um, and then I asked them some opinions about English. And one thing I know for sure is that nine out of 10 students, I, it was like 90, every student except for one, actually, that's what it was. Every student except for one said that they were more likely to want to learn English if they played a game. So obviously, playing a game encouraged them to want to learn English. One student said no, um, but you never know. Then maybe there's absolutely nothing I can do for that student to encourage them to, to learn English. I, and so you, you mentioned it earlier briefly, and I actually just uh, had a almost hour-long discussion with somebody who actually reached out to me after listening to the Board Game with Education oh, nice. podcast because he's wants to implement Thousand-Year-Old Vampire into this after-school program English thing that, he was, that he's working on. Which was which was neat, but so what? What I did, and this is for people who didn't listen to the other podcast, is there's the game called Thousand Year Old Vampire, which is a solo role playing journaling game where you take on the role of a vampire that's going to live for a thousand years, and you give yourself some skills and whatever it is. But each entry in your diary, you roll roll a die, and you skip forward that many entries. You get a prompt, and you just answer the prompt. And sometimes it'll say use a skill or check a skill it's called. And that just means you have to solve whatever the situation the prompt is using one of your skills, or maybe you have a resource or whatever it is. But the kind of the catch of it is, is that your memory is limited. You can't remember everything for a thousand years. Mm -hmm. So you have to record these memories, but sometimes you only have space for five and you now have to record a memory. Well, you already have five. So now you have to forget something forever. And sometimes your later entries can reference back to people from the past that now you have forgotten that maybe they know you or whatever it may be. So I took that and brought it into my sixth grade classroom. I changed it from vampires because some parents don't want their kids dealing with vampires. And it also, some of the prompts are kind of gruesome. Some mm. of them are kind of gruesome. It's again, sixth graders school. And so it became the immortal student. And the first entry was the kids had to they start in ancient Greece. So that's when history, their history class starts and they had to do a little research about life in ancient Greece and write their story of how they became immortal. I don't care. Like, I, I really don't care how you become immortal. Some of them, it was Greek gods. Others, like, I drank some water and then I never died. Like, I, whatever. I don't care. And then I would change each prompt so it was not necessarily so gruesome. Just kind of let them do what they want. But it would become my grammar tests is what I would do. Okay, this one. All right, Dustin, you got to use uh, four positive phrases and five proper nouns and label and whatever. And we did it for the whole year. And some of these kids wrote 200 pages of stuff, um, which I didn't read all. Awesome. I tell them very clear with them. Like some of these were just you're advancing your story. I'm only going to read some of these because, you know, if you have 48 kids that write yeah. 100 pages, you know, <laughs> it's two Brandon Sanderson novels. Like yeah. no one has time for that. 
Um, and shocker, they're not written as well as what he writes. But going through, and what I found was the point here is that over time, they were learning the grammar better than I had in the past one because they were more interested in what they were writing. And sometimes they'd be mad at me if we went a week without doing an entry because they wanted to know what would happen. Um, but I would just I'd give them a week. Okay, write your entry and here's what you have to do. Make sure you use these things. Mm-hmm. And because they were had extra time and they were interested in their story, I found that later on through the year, when I would reference back to a topic from earlier in the year, they were more likely to remember it. And they all were having fun with it. And I will also say the disparity between what kids think is moral and immoral in sixth grade is amazing. Because at the end of one year, I asked the kids, I said, um, what is the worst thing? What is the coolest thing your immortal did? And what is the worst thing your immortal did? I don't remember the cool ones. You know, they all, whatever. But I distinctly remember one kid, the worst thing that she did was she lied to her mother. Worst thing. Another kid started a historic plague in Athens that killed like two thirds of the population and he did it on purpose. Like, (laughs) but anyhow, so that's kind of how I've used it most. I've experimented with a bunch of other games too and just kind of getting kids to kind of interact. It's really easy to bring games into when you're trying to do like social emotional learning Mm. because you just, okay, you're working together. It's I've taken a whole bunch of games in where they're just in groups and have to make decisions in their groups. Cause you know, you, it's rare to have a game that can play 24 people. Yeah. You know, I, I, have, yeah. I have a few, which they, they love. They love two rooms and a boom, um, you know, games like that, but just having them kind of go through and just having to make decisions together and quickly because we're only going to play this game for 15 minutes or whatever. So they have to kind of go through, but you know, benefits, it's easy to find benefits. What do you think are some of the, maybe the drawbacks of trying to use board games in education? Mm. Um, let me think. So one example, I don't know if it's a drawback, but more of a learning, like a, something I learned is tying um, high stakes to the game. So what I did in my, my university class, my writing class, advanced writing class, we, this was before the pandemic. So I flipped my classroom, which was kind of a, a new thing for students, like not used to that at all. But what it did, it, it allowed me to have one-on-one writing meetings with students because I had a, like and, uh, a lot of people probably don't know what, what flipped classroom means. What, what do you mean by that? So flipped classroom would be what everyone is used to during the pandemic, um, except for you would actually come into the school to do your homework. So it would be all the lectures and stuff that you normally would do in class would be done online. And then you would come to school to do your homework. So it creates a lot of opportunities for teachers to work on students individual work with students individually and um, create I guess for me it really helps us develop peer-to-peer relationships and then student to teacher relationships because the beginning of every class 15 to 20 minutes we played a game um, and that game also tied into bonus points Um, I'm trying to remember how I had it set up exactly it wasn't complete it wasn't oh it wasn't tied into their grades. I'm trying to remember, but regardless, it was tied into something that was more of a high stake situation. I mean, it was still pretty low stakes as far as grades go, but it was still tied into grades somehow. I think maybe their participation score or something, they got some bonus points. Um, so one student was pretty upset because they were losing and they were, they were getting a bit upset and I can tell. So at the end, I had to kind of talk to her and kind of just mention like, hey, this is not like, yes, it's this, but it's not really that extreme. Like it's not as big of a deal as it should be. Um, but I learned that. And going forward, I know like if you are going to tie some sort of like gamification uh, mechanic to grades to make sure you're, I don't know, I would say maybe don't. I know there is one person who, uh, uh, that does do it well. I can't remember his name, but the gamification classroom, I believe. Um, I'll have to look it up while you're while you're talking. But 
Yeah, that, 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 I mean, there, there is something to that. I remember even long ago when I was doing a long-term sub job and I took over a classroom and we would do a Jeopardy style review and the winning team, I gave like a bonus one point on the test. And suddenly I got emails from parents on the losing team mm. and how it's not, just not fair. And this then, so, uh, I mean, we just stopped doing it. I was like, okay, well, we're just not going to do this anymore, guys. So I'm sorry. You know, I can't, you know, which of course prompted more emails from the other parents who are now upset that now we're losing this thing. And the kids, why are we punishing the kids who've been working? And it just the whole method is very hard to balance that, you know, I'm going to try something that's fun that has a, a winner and a loser because inherently when you're dealing with grades, kids are very, well, it depends on what school you're in, right? But the kids and parents are very concerned about these grades. And at the school I was at, you know, this sixth grade class I was teaching, they were convinced that if they didn't get the A in the science class in sixth grade, they weren't going to get into Harvard. And there's just nothing you could do about it. And so it, it was a really it was kind of a sad moment because it, it was long before i was as into board games am now as they would kind of pull pick and pull things mm -hmm. and i just had to say well i went to the principal and i was like i think i just have to stop doing these fun things because someone's mad every time i do something and she's like well yeah or if you're gonna do it it just can't have any effect on the grade so i tried that and then the kids didn't care mm. so it was this weird kind of, of balance that you know it takes time to kind of get get, get through and, and figure out and it's very very hard um but uh you, you were looking something up while i was talking did you find what you're looking for i'm still still going but oh, that's all right yeah. Um, yeah everybody watching this like this has suddenly become like a serious podcast not the part of my <laughs> usual drivel but you know we're talking about you know some well what we're both somewhat passionate about um so now uh, you also mentioned that uh you've used some other just pulling content out, out of games have you ever found one that you thought you're like, okay, this is gonna, this is a great idea. They're gonna love this. And it's just total turd, totally didn't work at all whatsoever. It's happened to me a couple of times, but only when I would take some kind of prototype in that I was like, okay, because sometimes I'd be sent games and I don't get sent many games anymore for like 10 plus players, but every now and then I would back when I was starting out and I would mm. take some of them and be like, okay, let's try this. And they play with, can we just play the other game, Mr. Brown? Can we just do one of the others? This isn't fun. I'd be like, Ooh, okay. Um, but uh, can you think of anything that just fell, fell flat that you thought was just going to be great? Um, I can think of, I can think of having that feeling, that experience, but I can't tie it to a certain example. I, do know that we did something and maybe it was this, but, but if not, I don't know. Um, <laughs> we, I created a gamified, gamified uh, semester and that semester included um, Sherlock Holmes consulting detective. So I think this has to do with more having adult students, but um, they were set up into detective groups and throughout the semester, they would earn KP or knowledge points. And that KP was tied to their participation score. And it was also tied to their ability to unlock or solve the case in their detective groups. Um, so they would get KP for coming to class, completing their assignments, coming on time and participating in class. So all stuff like that is more about um, engagement than actual like evaluating their uh, English ability. And so if they had 100 KP as a group combined, they were able to go somewhere in that in that game. So if you're not familiar with Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, it's basically you get a crime and you have to solve it. And they have this huge map of London with like hundreds of places you can visit. Um, they have like an address book of Sherlock's like associates and close friends that you can go to. Um, and a couple other things where you can just look up the number and then you go and read that passage to tell you like what's there and what happens or what you find. Um, so they would solve that after they would be able to go visit a place every like 100 KP. They can go visit a new place. 
So I kind of set it up so where they would eventually maybe solve the crime towards the end of the semester. Like it was almost impossible to solve it like within a couple of weeks. And though that game's hard. So if you've never played it, it's hard even having like a limited number of places you can go and not time restricted. Um, but I, I kind of remember one group not being super thrilled when I put all the materials down in front of them. Um, and I kind of had to encourage them to, hey, you know, we're, we're working on this right now. Um, I think that probably would be the one. Um, but again, adult students, and I just kind of had to go back and encourage them. And maybe I think it even took a couple weeks before they were finally like getting into it. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's kind of an interesting that kind of folds into a lot of the time when uh big board game nerds like us are like trying to introduce games to other people where so sometimes you know we just come in and it's like oh this is a great game you're gonna love it you, mm -hmm. you drop something down in front of them and they're just like i don't i don't know what's going this this is not <laughs> yeah. i'm not enjoying this and yeah. i think there was a post that uh mandy patankin put up on it was instagram or something not too long ago it was just a picture of him like ah! and it was reading the rules of wingspan mm. which for people who play lots of games is not a hard game at all yeah like not at all but it even said there in the post i'm like i i feel like this is going to be a lot of fun but i can't figure out what's happening and then it was hard as she responded and you know, it was a lovely little back and forth you know and then he's like no, no no we're gonna learn this we're gonna figure it out but that idea of a game that most people play lots of games look at and say this is not hard at all is not necessarily the case because now we have all this knowledge and jargon that we are familiar with. And, you know, it's like, Oh, it's a tableau. You're, you're tableau building. Okay. Well, I know what mm -hmm. that is. Well, someone else doesn't know what that is. You know, we, we know if we're doing a deck builder, you're going to pick up your cards that are discarded. You're going to shuffle them and you're going to put it back down. But if you know, you don't know what you don't know. And I think what you ran into is a type of thing that sometimes happens is they just might not have been, they just might not like puzzles. Yeah. Like, and that's an intense puzzle that, that you are offering to them. Cause I, like, you know, I, I know myself, like, I don't play that kind of type of game one, cause I'm terrible at it, but it just, you know, I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, and I can imagine perhaps in, you know, a college level class, so I'm like, I don't want to hear to play a game, you know? So mm -hmm. it's all these different layers of stuff that yeah. maybe it's easy. Like it's easier with kids you know, little kids who like, play a game. Yeah. Play a game. You know, is it Minecraft? No. Ooh. Um, kind of moving through there but um kind of did, I, I think we, we we beaten it down to death a little bit um as far as you know the, the, the topic of the idea you know it's something that if you think about it people anybody who is a teacher out there like that you can really pull stuff from a lot of your favorite games and bring it in, into education if you stop mm. and think about it and how you can connect it i think that the core is you really have to make sure that it is truly connected to what your topic is because the second you know a principal here is oh you're just you've been playing games one day a week for the entire year mr Reynolds like well yes but look how much they've all written and look yeah. right here this is a test and i can show you where mm -hmm. they did this you know so you really have to make sure that you it is for education not just for you know shits and giggles you know right um but you mentioned at the beginning your uh, gamification system for a whole class, which, which I looked at many, many moons ago when I was just starting out. Um, just before we do, you know, we jump into have my little sponsor bump, and then we'll talk about our, our game of the, of the episode. Just yeah. a little bit, can, can you kind of tell everybody kind of what that is? Because this, to me, is kind of the quintessential gamification of a classroom. And, you know, whether, you know, it, lots of people dove into it or tried it or not, different story but just kind of the idea. And so I'd love you to kind of share with everybody what, what, what that was all about. For sure. Um, I would say it's been, it's been a couple of years now since I've really dug into it. So I can't get into the granular details of it, but I will talk about like a, as a face value. And then if anybody ever, like I mentioned, if you want to check it out, I have the digital version available for free. Um, you just have to reach out to me. Um, eventually, hopefully we'll try a Kickstarter again in the future. Um, We'll see. Uh, it's something I would like to implement as part of our summer camp here. So essentially what you do, you, you give your students a time at the beginning to kind of, um, what do you call it, like a session zero in RPGs. And it's just the opportunity to kind of create your character, go over the rules of the game, all that good stuff. Um, and it's a way to encourage 
positive behaviors in your classroom through a kind of classroom management system. But what is different that a lot of people are used to, like there's a lot of that stuff out there. Um, there's like class dojo, there's what's the class craft is another one. Those are very much classroom management systems. However, I haven't looked at those in like probably a couple of years, they might've integrated some other stuff. But what we did with ours as well is created adventure modules that students can go on um, at different periods in the class. So these creature characters, they earn XP or whatever you want to call it for your classroom. And that can be carried over into participation score, or it can just be something that unlocks different items in the classroom. And those items are um, like a free homework pass. One thing that my wife created for her classroom was future goggles. So she could, if someone got that item, instead of reading a book and then writing about what they read, they could watch a Netflix show and then write about what they watched. Um, so they could turn that pass in for their writing diary instead. Um, so like different clever items for your classroom, uh, all students unlock a responsibility in their classroom within earning certain uh, experience points. So a lot of ways to like engage uh, your class as a community, um, but then the adventure modules you do however often you wanna do them. Um, we got to the point where we've created two adventure modules we wanted to create a few more, um, but you can do it like once a week, once every other week, but essentially it's a role-playing game where your students decide what to do in the adventure and where to go. Um, and at certain points in the adventure, you can create uh, mini activities that are in line with your learning outcomes. So for example, in one of the adventures, they might come up to a, I believe it's like a cave and there's just like rocks on the ground, but the rocks like form a shape or they're in different shapes and your plan is to put them back on the wall to make sure they're in the correct order to open up this passage. And what we do for that activity is you can create into a classification activity. So for learning English, we said you have to put verbs in this column, nouns in this column, adjectives in this column. So a way to kind of just work on some sort of activity based on classifying things. And that aligns with the puzzle of the cave, like you're actually putting those pieces where they're supposed to be on the wall. Um, so that's kind of like the gist of it. And it's something that you could you know, carry it out through, you know, as, as long as you want kind of the whole year, it's kind of a, a build type thing. It's a, in, in many ways, the immortal student that has kind of followed the same kind of thing as you're kind of building on. But um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump in. Uh, everybody, you've now seen this commercial twice. This is our sponsor bump. Again, thank you to Sovereignty for sponsoring the channel. Check out the description to sign up for your own free account and if you want to get a platinum membership got free 60 day memberships down there as well and here's the commercial right now Woo! and now a word from our sponsor okay one sec just let me uh let me get the score here so and carry the one and yes boom got it winner is uh Ooh, i just i cannot stand having to do the math by myself, at the end of the game, it always gets messed up, it always looks like this, and now, gaming is ruined forever, and we're never gonna have a good game again. It's all right, you can play on Sovereignty, and it does all the scoring for you, so you don't have to worry about it. Really? It'll, <laughs> It'll do the scoring for me? Oh, I can't believe it. Oh my gosh, game day is saved! Sovereignty is free to download, so download it now, and you can redeem the Hunger Gamers code and play for free. All the games! <laughs> Sovereignty. Play board games in a 3D environment on any device. Play smarter. You can find more information about Sovereignty in the description of this podcast or video. Welcome back, everybody. Again, thank you to Sovereignty for sponsoring the channel. And you know what? For the first time, I totally messed up my own outline, which I had right next to me. We did not talk about the games that we have been playing lately because I'm a fool. I don't know. So we'll talk <laughs> about this real quick. So, um... The kind of the two-parter is what games have you been playing the most recently? And then what's on the table now? Like what is the imminent coming next game that you got coming up? And you can, you know, have, you can have a, have a few of them. So I'll start with the first thing that I've been playing the most recently. And it's just, well, there's two of them, but one it's uh, stars of Akarios. That is a, it's almost Gloomhaven in space with a little seventh continent in space. Mm. Because you're doing these dogfight space battles, you know, ships, and that's very similar to Gloomhaven, but with more 
tactical movement, you know, getting in firing arcs and things like that. And uh, it uses a dice mechanic instead of the cars. So you roll your dice and whatever you get, you can assign it to your engines or your weapons or you know, whatever it may be. But it has those same card flips as far as uh, dealing damage. You might do more, you might do less. All kinds of different status effects you can put on things. Again, Gloomhaven, basically. But it has some really cool uh, ship minis and the way it tracks all the information is, is definitely a step up from Gloomhaven, not only about Frosthaven. Um, but then it also has this Galaxy Exploration, which is a series of cards that you put out and kind of reveal more and more cards as your ship kind of continues to explore the galaxy. It kind of has a little bit of a uh, Battlestar Galactica vibe at the beginning where the planet gets attacked and then you're all kind of just fleeing from everything with your one, one big ship. So it kind of has that kind of vibe. But then you can also go explore planets and then it becomes kind of like Seventh Continent. Of It's just you have your single character that you're moving about and you're placing down cards again, which open up little story story things that you get to read and you kind of move around. So it's kind of taking all those, kind of putting them all together into this big, um, smaller, it's not a small box, but it's smaller box compared to you know, like Gloomhaven type thing. So I've, I've been playing a whole bunch of that. I've been waiting for two years for it and it just showed up so i've been playing first thing i did i sat down i had to paint everything so now i, I can't play with the gray plastic it's just <laughs> barbaric i can't do that anymore it took a long time painted all this stuff and got it out so i've been playing a lot of that lately uh, how about you what, what have you been playing lately oh man um i guess i don't know it's hard to play games these days uh, i'm looking over at my game shelf in the in the store library um played science but i'll save that for later um Ankh is one I've played kind of recently and when I say that like maybe three four weeks ago Rising Sun as well um we do a D&D every Thursday and I'm the DM for that so those are kind of the things that I've been well, doing there you go. so you know you've been play, playing play D&D every week so what, what to, to tell them tell them tell me about your campaign and how many of them have you killed yeah um none so far what um unacceptable yeah, <laughs> well I'm I'm the designated new player DM I work with all the new players so we started our first campaign seven weeks ago and we did the essentials kit. So if anybody's familiar with that campaign, it's in the town of Fandolin, which is like a minor kind of town that's starting to thrive again. Um, and then there's a white dragon that's nearby. That's kind of displacing a lot of people and causing a lot of problems for the town. Um, so the adventuring group goes on different quests to kind of help with either restoring things or picking up things that, problems that the dragon caused um yeah but it's really cool to see a lot of like new players come into the store and then i started another new one last week so it's gonna be tough because now i have two groups on the same night and i'm only one dm so i'm like oh my gosh how am i gonna make this work we might have to combine the groups i don't know well start killing them and then <laughs> whoever's still alive they can come together for their own group <laughs> you know it's true um, so the other one that I play, we, I, w I usually don't bring up two, but I just played it yesterday and we played it, we played it once, introduced somebody to it, and then we finished, and then we're going to, you know, doing some grilling and stuff, and he's like, can we play this again? And so we play again. So I'm going to count, well, that's the Return to Dark Tower, mm. which um, my friend, uh, he, he's not a huge board gamer, um, not, not at all, but he had the original Dark Tower when he was a kid. And then when it came on Kickstarter, I was like, I'm going to get this thing. And then, of course, he had to wait like two and a half years for it. <laughs> and it finally showed up and he, we, we played it and he's really been enjoying it. And so at Origins, I went, um, the one of the benefits of press is at Origins on a couple of the days you get to go in uh, an hour early. So mm -hmm. as soon as they were, it, you know, flipped and they were about ready to sell stuff, I was able to be right there at the Restoration Games booth so I could buy him the expansion. Oh, nice. Because you, you couldn't get it. And now it's totally sold out. But so I got so I got that. And so we brought it and we're playing that. And another friend of ours came over who really doesn't play a lot of games at all. But he's like, yeah, well, you know, I'm up in town. He's doing a play nearby. So he has, you know, all those families down in Los Angeles. But he's like, well, okay. And he came over and then we finished. And, you know, we, we won. Glorious. And for anyone who doesn't know, it's got a, it's a huge tower that is taken us by Bluetooth and an app and it spins and spits skulls out and lights up and makes noises and it's completely unnecessary, but very, very fun. Cool. And he's like, oh, can we, can we play it again? So I'm like, okay, and you, know, you, you play this with three, four players. It's not a short game. Mm. 
I mean, the first game took us like three hours and we played again. It was like another two and a half hours. So yeah, we, we oh, played, wow. you know, close to six hours of dark tower yesterday. So I feel like that, that counts as another one. Yeah. But um, you also mentioned the Ankh and rising sun, which one do you like better? People are very passionate about the, the, mm. the three games in this series. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I've played rising sun more, so I would like to play Ankh a couple more times, but I really do like Ankh. Um, it's a great, great two player game too um but i would like to play it a couple more times with like four or more players so it's hard to I, say yeah i like uh Ankh significantly more but i don't like rising sun mm. i just i just get mad like the the whole yeah. making your alliances and then breaking your alliances. i just that's a mechanic i don't like in games mm. it just leads yeah. to somebody uh-huh. probably me probably me getting butt hurt yeah you know yeah. but all right, so what what do you have coming next, though? What's the next game you're like, I'm excited to play this, even though I understand it might be three weeks before you actually get to do it. Mm. What, what, what's next for you? Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe answering the first question and with this question, Disney Sorcerer's Arena, we've had on our demo table um, the last, I guess, like we had it on there Friday, Saturday. Um, Sunday, we do Pokemon, so we don't have a game on there. But um, I did the, so it's, it's split up into four chapters to kind of learn the system. The first chapter for a gamer is way too easy. It's like kind of boring. Um, so I'm excited to get into the later chapters and kind of learn the game as it's meant to be played like full on. Um, so that's one kind of been playing and I'm kind of learning, but I just want to learn chapter one so I can show people in the store when they come in. And we taught um, some a family, their family friends actually, they came in, they're looking for a game to play and we taught them uh, Sources Arena. So that's that's actually really cool. And I'm excited for all the characters they can add to it. Unmatched is fun too. I like those kind of combat arena games. Yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, I've heard a couple people talk about the Disney Sorcerer Arena. I don't, I don't, I don't know know anything about it. So it's like a, a a battle, a battle game. Yeah, it's. I guess like people say it's like a MOBA, like a League of Legends, but board game version. Because you you get points for knocking out the other players, but then they come right back. You get points for keeping your character on a space, like a King of the Hill mechanic. Um, and then all the characters have different like mechanics and cards deck of cards that you can use i see gotcha um and so my next one it depends on what shows up today from ship bob (laughs) because there is i have a package that could be sitting outside right now it's you know scheduled between 11 and 2 it says when it's being delivered and it's coming from ship bob and so i think that means it's ping yao which is this Mm. uh euro game but ancient chinese banking is just fantastic one of the best games i uh previewed all of last year just wonderful but it's also possible that it is something else and it is also possible apparently as i've been learning uh, apparently ship bob made some mistakes and Uh a lot of Uh people are getting double core boxes or double expansion boxes so if it's a double core box okay i can still play that if it's double mm. expansion box, clearly I can't play it. So I, I don't know what's going to be ha- happening with that. So if not that, I also have sitting right behind me, a Steamforge game was nice enough to send me uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and Ooh. several of the expansions, which are ridiculous. Like these huge expansion boxes that are bigger yeah. than just the core game box, game box yeah. with just like one miniature in it Yeah, that you have to build. So like you get these ginormous things you get to fight. But I like that video game. Um, I didn't on a tangent here is tragic so uh my buddy canadian kev he does voiceover for me sometimes was down visiting and he's like oh can i can i play this and you know make a save i was like sure oh no yeah he totally accidentally saved over my save or whatever so i haven't i haven't gone back to it so it's like two years ago i need to go back and finish it but so sitting over there i've heard some people really really like it and i've heard some people really really don't so I'm, I'm curious, you know, where, where I'm going to going to land with it. Mm. But so that that's one of those is what I got coming next. But now back to where we should have been, if I had not blown my own um, my own lesson plan there <laughs> is our game that we're going to talk about today is Scythe, which is old news, right? Yeah, it's an old news game, but wow. still pretty darn popular. And uh, I, I got feelings about this game, so I, I'm curious. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, let, let you you start. What, well, 
we'll start with this. What do you like about the game? Mm. What do you like about it? Well, let me preface 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 that question. People, when they ask you, like, what is your favorite game? I never can really answer it, but I do answer it with this, that the game I've played most as like a modern board game or adult is Scythe. <laughs> so I've played, I've probably played it. Well, not including the PC, like the Steam version, probably like 50 times at this point. And if you if you add in playing playing on Steam? Probably like a hundred. It's yeah. you can get those Steam games in super quick. Like you can play one in like 15 minutes. Um yeah. and I remember I just I haven't played it for a long time, but I remember I downloaded it and I would play it a bunch and then I stopped. I just don't go back to it, I guess. I don't really enjoy board games on the computer. I do it here when I'm need a break and i'm bored <laughs> yeah um, and, and yeah i mean during the pandemic clearly you know that, that's when i finally yeah. downloaded that specific game is during the pandemic um all right but so why have you played it 50 times there's not a lot of <laughs> games uh, that people you know uh, who are into the hobby played 50 times you know like a lot of people will play if they play a game five times that's that's success yeah that's that's a lot for a game yeah. um we had a group in taiwan that i went over to their place um we tried it every week but it more like every other week or every month maybe um but there was a period when it was week by week for probably a couple months um and we played scythe that was just the game we played um and then eventually we moved over to rising sun so it was just a really good group of players that we played together. You know, we we um, messed around, we chatted. You know, it was more about the experience. I mean, I'd love the game too, and that's a cool thing is like getting really into a specific game and learning it really well with the same players because then the strategy evolves and the game evolves for the group, right? You don't want to play it like I don't so much enjoy Scythe playing with all new players. I mean, I do, because I like to introduce them to a new game and like, I probably like the players, but um, it's not the same game experience. It's not as competitive in our level of like, well, they're watching what I'm doing. Like they're picking up my moves versus like, they have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah, and the, uh, um, for anyone who doesn't know, the kind of the core of it is, is this uh, action selection that you're doing. and for the most part, you can never pick the same action more than once. So you're, you know, you're going to be moving, or you're going to be uh, uh, researching, or you're going to be. I can't remember what what, what they are because it's trading. Been lost. You're trading, Build. right? Oh no. Um. So you're you're going to be spending resources. You're going to be getting resources. You're going to be moving around. They're kind of the things that 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 you're doing. But each player board, you can upgrade it so you're slowly becoming more and more asymmetric as you go, and you start a little bit asymmetric as well. Um. A little bit of area control going on, but you don't have a ton of things that you can kind of put out there. Big, you know, hex board and all that kind of stuff. Um, so you, you'd mentioned that you like playing it a lot with people who have played it, have played it before because there's there's more depth to this game than it looks like because really you look at it, well, you pick an action, you do the thing, and then maybe you do the bottom thing if you can pay for it. Mm. Pick another action. But so what about it kind of grabs you? What, what, what about the strategy and the, the mechanics like really hooks you in, you know, as you, as you think about it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just my game style that I gravitate towards. I really like area control, conflict-heavy interactive games um, because that's what I grew up playing. Like I mentioned, Risk was one that I played a lot growing up, and it's all about like those All about moments. getting Australia? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what do they call at the end when you like move your guys? I don't remember. There's no, like I, I, I haven't put, put, played played in, in in years, but I just yeah. know, you know, you you can hold Australia forever. Mm. Um but so one of the things that, that I, I so I'm odd with Scythe. I, I recognize Scythe as a really well designed game. I, I, I can't fault anything about it. Um, and I really like the action, the way the action selection works. I like the simplicity of all of that. I like the simplicity and kind of dynamism of the combat in this kind of abstracted way of you're kind of choosing what cards you're going to use or, you know, you're trying to trick the other person to blowing a lot of their resources. So you can mm -hmm. just kind of get, get some of that stuff back. All very, very, very clever. And I like that you don't have to 
you can't win the game just by being a warmonger and a bully. Because yeah. the most you can get is two out of the eight stars or whatever it is that you need. So I think I, I like all of that. But I feel like the game's a lie. And I feel like that because you look at all the art and everything. You have these big, huge, stompy mechs going around. And it's not really about the mechs. You know, it's about managing your economy. And mm. that just is a lot of people the first time that I play, like, well, how come I'm not killing anything? I'm like, because you'd like to win? I don't know. Like, that, 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 that's how it goes. Um, and there's a high level of skill to this game that you were talking about. Like, you've played this game 50 times. You will kick the crap out of me if we play. Mm. Like, it's just what it's going to be. And so uh, I think some of that for a lot of people, it can be a little bit of a turnoff, especially because people who are playing Scythe nowadays, they've been playing Scythe for yeah, 10 years now or however long that yeah. dumb thing's been out, right? You know, what, 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 what are your thoughts? What are the downsides of Scythe, in your opinion? So we introduced a couple new players to it. Um, we had some friends. My wife had some friends visiting from college. And like you said, had, there are no longer friends after playing. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, there were some friends visiting from college. I think that's by Nebraska grammar there. Um, and we, there were two of them. So we played my wife and I, and those two played four. they really enjoyed it. They had fun with it and they wanted to play again. And then we had another friend who I know what kind of game she likes. And so she also had been suggested other people had suggested to try Scythe out too. So her and her girlfriend, um, played together or fiance now um, played together and they were very frustrated at the beginning and for a while they were frustrated with the game because it was just the fiance she doesn't generally like those type of heavy games and she was frustrated probably up until the last like I don't know let's say it's 100% of the game there she was frustrated until like the 90% mark the other one she was probably frustrated like to 50 percent and then she would get a little frustrated again and then eventually she started really liking it and they both finally by the end like did enjoy the game but it took a lot for them to get to that point because also one thing the one my one friend she is very like she likes a lot of these games so she knows how to play these types of games pretty well but she'll she noticed that she made a lot of like silly mistakes. And as a first time player, like that's going to happen with Scythe. Like the first time you play is not, you're not playing the game. You're learning the game. Like the first time, maybe even the second time through, you're still kind of learning the game. And yeah, I remember I that the for first, me the too. The first time I played, it was a max player count game. And I now know that, uh, well, you know, one of the guy I hadn't played before, but I thought everyone had played a lot. I'm just mucking about moving around doing, what I'm doing. there's one guy who's playing the, the yellow faction, like the farmers, you know, with like the little tractor looking mechs, mm. you know, kind of the bottom center of the board is where it was. And like, he just wasn't doing anything. He just was, had all these resources just sitting in this little kingdom and just wasn't going anywhere. I had all this stuff. And I was like, gosh, he is, this guy has some kind of plan. I can't figure it out. I don't know what he's doing. And I'm so stupid. I can't figure out how he's going to do that. And the game is the answer was no, he didn't have a plan. He actually did nothing. And that was because he'd never played before either. And just, you know, it was like, oh, I'm just going to. All these resources. Yeah, I have resources, which did, did nothing. Mm. But hey, he didn't have any fun at all. Um, oh, no. And he, yeah. you know, he scored like eight points or, you know, whatever it was. But I, I distinctly remember, and I, I didn't have it the best time either because I was just kind of like walking around and I'd walk into somebody and get smacked. Mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. then trying to even ape what people were doing. It's like, oh, okay, you're doing this. You seem to, I'm going to see if I can do that. No, you know, it was very, very, very challenging game. Um, yeah. And I usually don't like area control. Um, I just, uh, I, I get, I, I get too attached to my areas, mm -hmm. you know, and then, but you're constantly losing territory and gaining territory in area control. And my buddy, Matt is just like a savant at those kind of games, but I do like in Scythe, you can't really hold a lot of territory because you just don't have a lot of mm -hmm. stuff. So it's just always kind of like you're like a little amoeba just slowly kind of moving about the board. And it's very, very, very clever, but you know, it's just, it's, it's very hard. And it's not, it's not a short game either. Now, well, have you, have you dove in, into the Fenris campaign and done all that? 
Yeah, that was one of the things we did in Taiwan. We went through that campaign. I really liked it. I did not like how it ended because I lost, but <laughs> I am also blaming how the game is set up for me. Couldn't possibly have been your bad plays, right? <laughs> I don't think so, but maybe, uh, maybe. I don't know. I just remember being frustrated with like the last two scenarios and like realizing there was nothing I could really do. Um, uh, like the writing was already on the wall. Yeah, I think that was it. You, you, um, you. I remember we when I played football in high school, um, we were very bad. Um, and I remember the one year that we, we didn't want to, I don't think we won a single game all year. But I remember at one point we were down by many points at halftime. The coach came in and he's like, well, we're playing for pride. <laughs> yeah. Never forget that. So you put two games at it out, you're, you were playing for pride, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I've promised my, my buddy who, who loves the game that uh, I'd play through the campaign with him. We're going we're gonna to try to do it. Apparently, there's some way to do a co-op. We're going we're gonna... to... Mm. We're going to try. I don't know how it works, but apparently like people have worked it out and it, it can be done. So we're, we're going to try it. Interesting. Just because if we do it competitive, well, the writing's on the wall. He will win. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just not, we not, not very good at it. Now my, my brother, actually the designer of uh, lunar rush behind me is a savant at this game. Like we played it during the pandemic on steam. The first game, he just waxed everybody. Like, okay. Well, lucky second game waxed everybody. Like to, to the point where uh, my buddy Matt's all, okay, I have to beat him. Like, it's like a serious heart. I think we've beaten him once out of like 12 games. Like, it's just very, very strange. But, you know, he's a, he's a robot. So I guess he's good at those kind of things. Um, but so all in all, so, so for me, I, I recognize Scythe as a, a game and I recognize why people like it. I, I, I couldn't even really find anything to really complain about other than, you know, the art's a lie um but the art is great it looks great yeah it's really cool yeah i mean all the stone Myers stuff is usually really good production um sometimes he has they do weird things with color but i just uh i just don't love it it's all there it just it doesn't make me excited like i you know if people want to play sure i'll always play but i'm never going to recommend it except on maybe like steam or something like that mm. um but uh any last thoughts on on scythe or wrap it all up yeah, I mean, if I think it's just if you find a good group that enjoys those games, it's a really, really fun game. And this is very deep as far as strategy goes. Yeah, the abs- absolutely deep one. All right, so uh, that is wrap, bring us to the end of the episode. But before I let you go, um, one, remind people if they're down in the Los Angeles area how they can come check out your, uh, your, your new store. And then if you could just leave us with your words of gaming wisdom. Ooh, words of gaming wisdom. I'll have to stall to come up with something, but we're at. Well, you can talk about your address very, very slowly, I guess. <laughs> we're in Los Angeles, um, bgetabletop.com and bgetabletop on all social media. We're in the West Hills area, if you're familiar with the San Fernando Valley in Los Angeles. Um, so, words of wisdom, gaming wisdom. I don't know. Play what you want to play and don't be scared to, to say no to some games. <laughs> All right. Hey, I'll take it. So, you know, Scythe, don't be scared to say no. No. <laughs> um, all right. Well, anyhow, uh, Dustin, thank you so much for joining me, everybody. Please check the description, whether you're watching the video or listening to the podcast, you'll find links to uh, BGE Tabletop and uh, make sure you uh, check out all, all of the stuff you can about it. If you're down in LA, go check it out. I don't know. Can they order games online from you? Yeah, actually, if you don't mind, uh, one last plug. We're we're closing our store. We're going to do this twice out of the year, and we're going to do it to raise awareness for tabletop, uh, for the benefits tabletop gaming can have on mental health. Um, so we're actually going to be closed. So if you do order online, we're going to donate 10% of, us, of our sales to Stack Up, which is a nonprofit that supports mental health through gaming for vets. That's really cool. I mean, you're, you're just going to be closed for like a week or something um this time a little bit longer it's usually going to be just a week um but this time aligned with a wedding that i committed to a long time ago so gotcha. uh, yeah it's tough i'm nervous yeah but you're not closing. you're not closing it's just a brief close yeah yeah just a short period to raise awareness we're going to do it twice out of the year usually in august and february for five days all right so everyone uh, ch- check it out order games get it uh support a good cause 
and support a new store because goodness knows we need more of those. So uh, as always, thank you so much for joining me, everybody. If you enjoyed this uh, podcast or video, please like, subscribe, share, subscribe on your podcast app, whatever. And uh, thank you so much for watching. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. jump in you know i thought about you the past few weeks and i know you run 50 million miles a day <laughs> so I, i've been trying to start running again because i haven't nice. run since yeah, nice. i played sports in high school and even then i didn't run like you know run up and down yeah. the basketball court or the lacrosse field boy it is a horrible thing <laughs> you don't like it <laughs> oh it's terrible but how much are you run? how much do you run just to on a, in a given week on the peak periods of my training, I do like 50 miles a week. That's probably and so how does that translate into doing a 50 mile race? Do you just assume you can do it? You know, or <laughs> I, the biggest challenge was just nutrition for me. Like I almost gave up at mile 40 because I, my body just couldn't move. And then someone gave me some gummies and I, and then finally someone sat down with me when I was sitting down, well, he kind of stopped and t- talked to me for a minute. It's like, you just got to eat it. Like your brain just needs it to know, to keep going. And so that helped me finish the last like 10 miles, 50 mile races. Most of the time runners are, are like hiking up hills and then running the other part of it. When it comes to like a hundred and or 200 or more, people are usually taking like a sit down break. It completely changes my perspective. <laughs> like I just had an image of basically you just like running down the highway. No, no. From, I from mean, mile, mile marker one to 50, like, all right, I'm done. 